everyone, and welcome to a long-awaited new episode of Talk Me to the Movies. It's me, Brenna. And it's me, Kara. <laughs> and we're coming to you from two separate places um, in the midst of a very unfortunate COVID-19 situation. This is weird. This is our, our first time doing this in separate places. <laughs> yeah, we're becoming um, IT experts with this technology <laughs> situation we really are i'm just bear with us if there's anything strange with this recording but i have faith in us it'll be good yeah it'll be it'll be just fine um on the theme of covid19 we both watched a streamable movie yesterday we did we for this episode we wanted to Pick something that was not only on streaming, but that was like easily accessible streaming. So either Netflix or Amazon Prime, because most people have it. But then also, if you do, you don't have to pay an extra fee to watch it even on those platforms. So, yeah, we picked one. And um, yeah, we just watched it last night. So it's fresh in our minds. We watched Magnolia, which is directed by you Paul Thomas Anderson, um, and he was he was a young little lad whenever he made this movie um, in 1999. Um, so yeah, it was I I love this movie. Did you like it? You didn't like it, did you? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I didn't like it. It was, and I also, disclaimer, I watched it so late last night. Um, it was probably, you know, on a Friday night after a long, weird work week and just was tired. So I probably wasn't in the best headspace, but I did like it. I just felt like there was a lot I needed to investigate after <laughs> um, to fully form my opinion, which kind of frustrates me because I would like to be someone who can form their opinion on their own but <laughs> I needed a little extra help with this one so I do think I overall liked it but I'm really glad that we're discussing it and breaking it down because there's so much going on and I think I think it will help me um yeah I was I was really impressed by a lot of it especially like you said Paul Thomas Anderson was so young and this was such an amazing cast um but yeah I I'm gonna go with a soft I did like it <laughs> Okay, so I noticed you didn't give it a rating on Letterboxd. So maybe at the end of this episode, you should give it an official rating a five a, out of five stars. I like that idea. Yeah, I've been trying to, with Letterboxd, um, rate things pretty much immediately after I watch them so that I don't have the chance to be influenced. Um, but I felt like I still needed to log it for transparency's sake but i just thought i'll get back to this tomorrow <laughs> when my brain is more awake <laughs> well spoiler alert i gave it four stars yeah. and I, I i watched another one of pta's uh movies over <laughs> covid this past two weeks and i watched boogie nights which i actually gave five stars and he directed yeah. that movie before this one so he was like a really young lad whenever he directed that yeah, I think movie. Like twenty six or something crazy. Yeah, like that. ridiculous. Like, what? I watched the interview. I was like, wow, he looks like literally like he could be in college right now. But yeah, I gave that one five stars. I I will say this one didn't like. It sometimes it just felt broken to me, and it like it wasn't as seamless 
as Boogie Nights and like Phantom Thread and some of the other movies that I really like from Paul Thomas Anderson. But um, the acting in this was really, really good. Yeah, those actors were acting their faces off <laughs> in this one. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because I know I know you've watched a lot more PTA movies than I have. Um, so I was wondering how you thought this one stacked up. Um is would you say Boogie Nights is your favorite of his so far or which ones do you like the best? I really like Phantom Thread, but I think my favorite is probably The Master, then Phantom Thread, then Boogie Nights, then Magnolia. The Master <laughs> is one that I keep seeing shamefully I've not seen it, but um I keep seeing it on people's best of the decade lists like, you know, at the end of 2019 when everyone was publishing those on Letterboxd or wherever. Um, the master kept coming up. So that one's definitely on my watch list. <laughs> so Magnolia yeah. is your least favorite <laughs> so far. <laughs> I guess so. Which is funny because I was actually thinking about this. I was like, this movie, I, I don't know how many people know what the Enneagram is, but this movie is like an Enneagram fours like kind of movie because it <laughs> it deals with like multiple like... Uh, people's brokenness emotional brokenness and and goes in deep with that and I was like oh my gosh Enneagram 4 is like should love this movie which I did like it which I am Enneagram 4 but um (laughs) the tortured and broken souls it's yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes feeling for those people Yeah, yeah that was definitely a lot of that going on I guess we should say our very high level view of what this movie is about. This movie is basically about nine different characters broken down in depth for us in eight different storylines. Um, and as we're, as we watch the film, we see these storylines are very much interconnected, but it's basically watching all these interrelated characters go on a search for forgiveness and meaning and love. Um, yeah, just throughout their lives. And I think they all live, um, I believe I looked it up. It was the San Fernando Valley. So that's kind of the setting for this. So all these characters live in the same area, um, are living separate lives, but then you ultimately see ways that they're interconnected. I think that's the best <laughs> we can do. There's a lot going on in this film. <laughs> <laughs> there really is. <laughs> Who was your favorite storyline? Out of the eight storylines, my favorite, or my favorite, we'll kind of call it a couplet because it's technically two that fit together. But I really like the storyline of the young kid, Stanley, who um, is competing in a game show that essentially pits a team of kids against a team of adults doing trivia. And so they're just whiz kids. And he's kind of the smartest kid on that team. He's like a savant who knows facts about everything. And I liked I liked his and also the way it was tied into the storyline of the host of that game show, whose name is Jimmy Gator. And what was going on um, within his family members, um, his daughter Claudia, um, and her interaction with this cop named Jim. So <laughs> it's kind of complicated. I think I was cheating and kind of reaching <laughs> to three storylines there. <laughs> yeah, you just named four of the eight. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Maybe we should. Should we give a... <laughs> A high-level breakdown of what they all are. The eight storylines we have going on here are, firstly, one that surrounds a character named Marcy, 
um, her grandson Dixon and her son Worm. Um, and this is an interesting storyline because it was actually kind of cut out from the movie in full. Um, so there's a little bit of mystery around there. So there's that storyline. There's storyline around a character named Donnie, who was a famous quiz kid as a child um, and his kind of quest for love and braces. <laughs> um, there's a storyline around a character named Linda um, who is married to a character named Earl. But Linda is just kind of um, a high-strung woman who is just dealing with the death of her husband. Then there's a storyline around a cop named Jim and a woman named Claudia. That's one of the ones I mentioned. Because Claudia is the daughter of the game show host, um, Jimmy Gator. So he's another storyline. There's a storyline around a nurse named Phil and a character named Earl, who he's caring for. And Earl is married to Linda. He's the dying man who has got her life kind of in a mess. Um, there's another storyline around a child named Stanley, which is the first one I listed, who is a current quiz kid um, on the game show hosted by Jimmy Gator. And then lastly, there's a storyline around a character named Frank Mackey, played by Tom Cruise. Um, he is a man who's made his who's made his living around teaching shy men how to be uh, negging and womanizing to women in order to get them to date him. <laughs> but he's connected because his father, his father is the character Earl, who is um, currently dying and married to Linda. I don't know if I did a good job of that. At no, all. that was good. That was really good. <laughs> Once I started talking, I was like, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you know how I texted you last night and I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I'm going to like this movie. <laughs> or, this yeah. Isn't, this isn't what I thought it was. Um, it was whenever it was like one of the, the scenes where Tom Cruise, like you were introduced to Tom Cruise and you're like, OK, this is a misogynistic like bad dude who's like literally like teaching men how to disrespect women and I was like I'm yeah. not and if it's gonna try to make this funny I'm not gonna like this movie at all and then luckily yeah. more storylines entered into the picture <laughs> <laughs> and then I started to like it a little bit more but and gained a little bit of sympathy for the character so I guess that's good movie making so <laughs> yeah for sure yeah, I was right there with you because that, that's kind of the storyline that enters with the most kind of dazzle and personality around it. And you're just kind of like, oh, no, if this is my central guy, like, I'm not really in for this. And also, you should know that I have a real and I hope this doesn't lose a bunch of people, but I have a real Tom Cruise problem. <laughs> I just can't. I'm not, I'm just not really a fan. Although, yes, I'll admit he's been in great movies and delivered great performances, but I think I just have a hard time separating him from his work sometimes. Yeah. So I was definitely wary of that going in with the, into this movie. But I will say by the time it was over and you see his storyline play out, um, yeah, I think that's just a sign of the strength of the film <clears throat> that I did have sympathy for him and I enjoyed watching that character arc. I was like, Oh no, what has this done to me? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Something that's interesting is I was listening to a interview with Paul Thomas Anderson and it was like, it was in 2000 and I have to say like interviews with filmmakers have changed drastically. Oh, drastically really? <laughs> in 20 years. I was like, 
what? I was like, it, I was just like perplexed. There was one point where the interviewer called um, Claudia's character a cokehead. And I was like, Ooh. and um, Tom Cruise actually asked him to be in one of his movies after he saw Boogie Nights. And Mark oh. Wahlberg plays in Boogie Nights plays this like man who enters into the pornography industry and so this character reminded me a lot of that Mark Wahlberg character. And it's just funny that Tom Cruise would be inspired by something that Mark Wahlberg is in to me. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That I was interesting. Yeah, it's pretty funny, though. But my favorite character story is probably Claudia and Jim. Um, but also between Claudia and her mother, um, that yeah. was also a, a good character story oh I guess it's really between her dad and her but yeah I loved that story John C. Riley is a beast in this film he is I think yeah he is like a big root to a lot of what's going on within the storylines he's intermixed in yeah he's so great (laughs) he's really good in this I think this is the best performance I've seen him in (laughs) That's so cool. It's it's funny because I when I was reading up on this, trying to wrap my head around everything, um, I was reading about how Paul Thomas Anderson wrote this role of Jim specifically for him in an effort to basically force him to do something unlike anything else he'd done or to stretch him out of his comfort zone. So it's cool that, you know, if we're having such a strong reaction to it, he knew what he was doing with that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love the character he plays, and it's just, I don't know, he's been in some an interesting array of films altogether. I mean, from like... He really is. Yeah, like he's he's, <laughs> he's in a lot of Thomas Anderson's films, but then he also has like, or Step Brothers. Oh, Step Brothers. <laughs> and like a lot of like comedies that he's in as well. So his line of work is really interesting to me, but I enjoyed this of him a lot. Me too. Yeah, I watched another John C. Riley movie recently um, with him and Joaquin Phoenix called The Sisters Brothers. And I was a little bit lukewarm on that movie too. Parts of it I loved, but one of the things I loved was John C. Riley's performance in that. And I was so happy that he was in this too, having watched that other movie so recently because I was very much in the mindset of I need more John C. Riley movies in my life because he's so good. Yeah. <laughs> And it's so his character in this is so interesting because he's he basically plays this cop who is just on a quest to do the right thing. Um, and he, as he's driving to and from work or to and from his calls, he soliloquizes in the car. <laughs> is that the right verb for that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's fun to say either way, but um, I just... I don't know. I was really endeared by that um, as a person with an overactive imagination. <laughs> I was like, it's kind of funny that he's just narrating his life and just talking about the different things he encounters in his day to day. And it kind of serves as a audience surrogate um, to the broader picture of everything going on in this movie, even though he's talking more directly about what he's facing. Um, he's really commenting on the film's big themes which I thought was really cool (laughs) yeah that was cool and he also kind of to two characters in the film he is physically talking to them and kind of 
gives them the love and acceptance that they're needing. Um, that's yeah. William, William Macy's character. And then I don't, I don't, and then Claudia, but I don't know Claudia's real name, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, he gives them kind of what they're needing in that time. But the, the one storyline I did not like was William Macy's, uh, storyline his name was Donnie Smith he was like the quiz kid back in the 70s and then like how he's grown up that was that kind of fell short for me (laughs) yeah I would agree with you and it was kind of tricky as I was trying to think of what my favorite storylines were because character wise I think I actually really liked his character and could kind of identify to that bleeding heart aspect of like he's he says Basically, I'm somebody with a lot of love to give, but I don't know where to put it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for and he's obviously like this lonely person who experienced some childhood celebrity with being um, a famous quiz show kid, which is like what the character Stanley currently is. But um, I liked the idea behind his character, but I just think his storyline, to your point, wasn't very wasn't as flushed out as some of the others there was like more I wanted to know about with that but it didn't really go much further other than him (laughs) thinking he needed to get braces (laughs) to win over um the bartender he'd fallen in love with who also had braces but it doesn't really move much further from there compared to where the other storylines were going (laughs) and there's this like conversation between him and this man at the bar which I don't I'm blanking on that guy's name, but he's like very famous. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't connect with that, and I was like really sad that they didn't explore the the Marcy story storyline more. I like still have no idea what happened between Marcy and her husband, who ended up dead in her closet. Yeah, that was so interesting because it it basically is one of the, the storylines that kicks off the whole movie, and then it's basically dropped i mean we see dixon the child show up again later with julianne moore's character linda and um when he does that rapping scene with jim which was like really great and then yeah it doesn't really have a through line anymore but i read that that was really intentional from paul thomas anderson's end um but i'm with you like i wanted to know what that was all about (laughs) me too and he ends up being the one that steals his gun yeah, and then we don't... Do we ever see what happens with that? Or the gun falls from the sky with the frogs, right? Yeah. Yeah, at least we were led to assume that's his gun. Yeah. Super interesting. The frogs. I mean, should we talk about the yes. frogs? Yeah, let's talk about the frogs. Oh, did gosh, you expect that? Had you? Did you expect that at all? So I kind of did, but it's because I cheated a little bit. <laughs> um, but basically... So throughout the movie, there's this whole um, continuous Easter egging of Exodus 8-2. And weirdly enough, like usually I don't catch on to this stuff in movies until I've seen it like a second time. But in the one of the very first scenes of this movie, there's a character named Sidney who's attempting suicide by jumping off the roof. You see next to him all these tangled cords, but they're very intentionally tangled up to look like an eight and a two and I Mm -hmm. literally remember thinking I was like this is gonna be a thing like that looks so intentional and then later so I kind of had my eyes peeled for it so then throughout the film you see from time to time 
um, the words Exodus 8-2, whether it's on like a street sign or there's a scene where someone's holding a sign with that um, during one of the quiz show scenes with the kids. Um, but because of that, I looked it up to remind myself <laughs> what that was. And so Exodus 8-2 is, but if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. So it's, you know, in the in the themes of um, the plagues um, within Moses, I was it's very much talking only about that one. So I was like, I wonder if this is a metaphorical thing or are we going to literally see frogs fall from the sky? <laughs> and we did. <laughs> we literally did. I had I didn't see any of that Exodus two eight two thing or any of the eights and twos, but apparently Marcy in her mug shot, she's holding up like a thing and her number is eight two eight two eight two or something. Oh, I didn't <laughs> notice that one. Gosh. But um yeah, I I did not see that coming. And that kind of like, after that, I was like, there's, if anyone else did this, like, I do not see them being successful. Like, if, if anyone yeah. else other than Paul Thomas Anderson, like, randomly threw a, it raining, <laughs> it raining <laughs> a bunch of frogs into a movie that's about serious emotional issues, like, <laughs> it would feel so weird and just like it didn't feel that weird to me like there are still things that didn't like add up to me that or the reason I gave it a four out of five stars instead of a full five but it was pretty impressive that it wasn't just like completely lame (laughs) after that frog scene yeah that's such a good point like especially because by the time it occurs in the movie which is pretty much right at the end so much has already happened that you've you've been taken on this journey and you're kind of right there with him but you're right that that could have so easily been a cheesy thing or something that felt too spoon-fed where you're just like um no this is not working for me but what i loved about it is it's so jarring when it happens it's like these are big frogs falling from the sky so when they start <laughs> landing on people's cars and houses and them themselves it's loud and scary and like people are freaking out and I feel like that really works with the emotion it gives us as the audience but then also because it's basically signifying these people being you know cleansed of the guilt of all these all the weight they were carrying with their their past um, and, yeah, yeah with their struggles and everything so that because it signifies that too and it kind of like snaps you out of the emotional place you've been in throughout this movie it just really worked and yeah I agree with you I don't think everybody could have pulled that off <laughs> yeah it was, it was pretty gruesome I mean there was a lot of blood yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of those frogs did not survive that <laughs> I felt bad. <laughs> My husband reminded me it was all animated and it was going to be okay. But. Well, they, I looked up some photos. They actually used a lot of, not real frogs, obviously, but like these painted realistic frogs with, I think, like fake blood inside of them and dropped them. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ooh. That had to be pleasant for the actors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially poor William H. Macy, who was like the one that was fully outside when all that stuff started happening. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just do not connect with him as an actor. Really? Yeah. He's one of those people who's in so many things that now when I'm trying to think of what else he's been in, I can't think of anything specifically, but I know he's in everything. <laughs> 
He's in Argo, which I just recently watched. He's in Boogie Nights, too. So I guess I've just seen a lot of him recently. And I'm just, just like, I just, yeah, I just don't care for you very much. I don't know why. Yeah. It's funny how doing that, like watching a certain director's movies back to back or actors, it really starts to make you realize things like that. Yeah. <laughs> but before I understood the Exodus um, 8 2 thing, like after doing some research, I thought that the the frogs falling from the sky was like signifying that this would everything after this would never happen in real life because you start to see like some relationships repaired some peace that like comes out of a situation um but I like saw that as like the reality is that these things don't really happen like William H Macy's character isn't going to find someone that talks him to him and helps him realize that mm-hmm. he's worthy of love or uh, mm-hmm. Claire's character isn't really going to find someone who's as good as he is that will accept her for her drug problem and everything she is going through. Her mom really yeah. won't come back into the picture. Like all these things. Like that's how I originally mm-hmm. watched it. And that made me very emotional because I was like, it's right. This would never actually happen in real oh. life. Like, <laughs> That's such an interesting take because you're right that after that happens, everything is kind of beautifully buttoned up and it's like the sky's literally clear. It's like everything settles and is calm as abruptly as all hell broke loose with the frogs. And once that happens, it's like, yeah, everyone is okay. It's like um, Julianne Moore's character, Linda, who you have pretty much assume is dead is like shown in the hospital recovering even it's like every little detail is buttoned up and yeah she lives even though she like wasn't really even breathing like you're right that it's very much like a hollywood ending for lack of a better word and Mm -hmm. and it's hard to imagine everything being buttoned up so beautifully with these people up until then you've seen them just slog through these really difficult uh life situations (laughs) But yeah. I, I do think what's interesting, there's so many themes with this, one being like how one bad decision can kind of send your life in a completely negative direction for the long term or this whole idea of like the sins of the father going to the son with um, a lot of these characters relationships with their parents. But maybe too what that ending was showing on the flip side is that these small acts of kindness or the way these people finally let go and forgave or changed their mindset on something that how it had such an immediate turnaround into their lives like that idea but whether or not that's <laughs> as likely to happen <laughs> is definitely no, yeah that's a good point yeah john c Riley's character really is like this like this angel character like a literal like guardian angel to some of those people yeah and he actually has you see like in his home like he prays before he like starts his day every day and like uh-huh. he has this cross on his wall he's just kind of this he's yeah i love his character but <laughs> me too i wrote down this quote he said at the end it's kind of another soliloquy of his overlaid um on the scene where he's just kind of helping william h macy's character um after everything goes down with the frogs 
and he says this line of sometimes people need to be forgiven and sometimes they need to go to jail but it's on me or it's hard for me to make that decision and I just felt like that was um just an interesting take on all of that like you know sometimes people just need to be forgiven and obviously because he's a cop it's like he's talking about it in that context but it's just this big theme of it too and I like that it kind of is wrapped up that way with him being the one who brings it all down to earth I guess (laughs) yeah oh I have a fun fact that I learned one thing I learned um about Magnolia Flowers which this movie is named after is that um they're a perennial flower whose bloom signals spring's arrival um so you kind of think of spring as when everything's made new and um new things are growing and kind of the earth is refreshed like these characters lives but that also the bark of the tree that magnolia flowers grow from can be used to treat anxiety and cancer in certain ways i guess it's used in medicine for that which is interesting because cancer is a a main a huge theme in the movie um with both jimmy gator's character and then earl partridge's character are both dying from cancer um and then anxiety as well like obviously all these characters are dealing with it in different ways. Like Claudia is just a bundle of anxiety because of her drug addiction. And then Julianne Moore's character, Linda is literally just, you see a scene of her at the pharmacy getting seven different kinds of anxiety medicine. Yeah. (laughs) So I just felt like that was a very, um, very strong intentional decision with that, that I never would have picked up on if I, unless I was someone who knew a lot about flowers. (laughs) Yeah, no, that is interesting. I didn't I didn't read that. But I did listen to an interview and he was like, there was like a lot of reasons why I chose Magnolia. So that makes sense as one of the reasons why he chose that as the title. I did read another thing about how, I guess, Magnolia Boulevard is an important street in the entertainment district in California. Oh, and since okay. I guess there's a lot of nods to just the entertainment biz and it being toxic within the movie. Um, that was an interesting through line as well. At first, I didn't even realize that um, Frank Mackey's father, Earl Partridge, was the producer of that show, the Quiz Kids show. Because I was like, how does yeah. he relate to all this? <laughs> and then I realized <laughs> that he was the producer of that show. But I, I did notice a quick um glimpse of that i think they show the logo at one point and it says like a big earl partridge production but it's kind of blended in because it it looks like the nbc like peacock logo (laughs) yeah (laughs) which i'm sure was also intentional (laughs) (laughs) um but just one other random thing i wanted to touch on that was so um refreshing to me from this movie but also sad was that it has the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman in it and he's just so wonderful and I hadn't watched a movie with him in it in a long time I think I'd kind of been avoiding them because it makes me sad but (laughs) it was really good to see him in this and I liked his character a lot (laughs) I think he might be my favorite actor of all time really yeah I do like his performance in doubt specifically like like blew my mind but even in this too like Seeing a young Philip Seymour Hoffman was very interesting. <laughs> yeah, so young. I was trying to think if I'd seen him in anything where he was younger. I was like, 
kind of struck by that. I was like, wow. Yeah. He was so great, even while so young. <laughs> you should watch The Master while you're, um, wait, while you're quarantining. While you're quarantined. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely should. I, I think it's on my watch list. I'll have to check and make sure it's on the official one because I'm consulting that a lot more these days <laughs> than yeah. I used to. <laughs> I have oh, been too. more time to fill. I think it might be on Netflix too. I'm not sure though, but... Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, something we haven't touched on is how long this movie is. Oh, yes. 189 minutes. Yes. Over three hours. What did you think? Don't watch it. Yeah. I I mean, don't watch it starting at 10 o'clock like I did. (laughs) Although I will say to its credit, it is very, um, it's very engaging. It doesn't feel like... At least to me, it didn't feel like a slog of a three hours. And I think it helps that we're pivoting between so many different stories and not getting um, too hung up on like a slow part of one of them where you feel like, oh, gosh, I'm in this scene for half an hour or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think it was OK. And I think for a movie like this, for it to really work, it needed to be long because I think if we had spent you know, even a third less time with each character, it wouldn't have felt as sincere or been pulled off as well in the end as it was. Um, but yeah, I, the closest thing I can think of that I've watched that is nearly as long is the Irishman, which I think is like three hours and 40 minutes or something. And I remember feeling it a lot more in that movie, which I also know is a controversial take, but (laughs) I don't know. This one felt pretty fast to me, but what did you think? No, I thought the same thing. I was like, this felt a lot shorter than The Irishman. Yeah. Because <laughs> I only paused this mo- movie once. In The Irishman, I paused and, like, did different things, like, three times. <laughs> but this one is yeah, engaging. Sure. It's engaging 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, little, like, I don't, I guess you would say Easter eggs. But just, like, the way the movie was made in general, like, there's one part where they're like each it pans to each character and you see what each of them's doing at like this the same exact moment and they're all in like different situations obviously but then another moment that connects all the characters is this they each are like shown singing the song by amy mann who i've never Um. heard of in my life have you (laughs) um i have heard of her i kind of it's somebody i'd kind of forgotten about in recent years <laughs> but yeah she I think she um if I remember correctly she wrote those songs originally for the movie and one of them was nominated for an Oscar even but yeah that that whole scene where they're all singing the same one yeah yeah like that that <laughs> should have felt that one that did feel a little weird to me because I was like oh gosh I don't know if I like this necessarily <laughs> but then the frog scene as well like there's these like perfect little breaks that are like whoa I wasn't expecting that but yeah yeah (laughs) I know that scene was where they're all singing I was like this might be a little too nail on the head for me but in the context of this movie I see what you're doing (laughs) and I can't be too mad (laughs) but it was interesting that you you touched on the pacing of the movie and how there are scenes where with some really fast pivots just through all 10-ish of the main characters just like a 
quick split second view of what they're doing and I, I feel like that was really interesting how the pace shifted like that it was almost frantic at some points yeah. shifting between scenes especially in the beginning but then as it goes on it gets slower and you spend more time with each group of people but I feel like that served it well too with it not feeling like three hours even though in the beginning I was like if it's three hours of this shifting I'm gonna have a hard time <laughs> I could have watched settle down no, yeah. I could have watched like a full movie just on John C. Riley's character and that little boy from that neighborhood. Like Yes. <laughs> like literally, I just thought that was so like I was like in love with those characters already. Just like seeing Me how too. good of a cop he was and then uh-huh. how he interacted with like these people. I was like, man, I could have watched a whole movie just about this. So John C. Yeah, Riley should still lyrics. do a cop movie, <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's, let's like revisit this, y'all. Um, yeah, I looked up the lyrics to the the rap that um, Dixon kind of performs to John C. Riley's character when he's like, "If you listen to me, I can tell you who's behind this crime you're investigating," and that is like, it's amazing. I what what is he? I can't figure out like who's he saying did the crime. So basically, I think the idea is that Marcy, the grandmother, she did kill the man in her closet, um, which seemed on its face to be the crime, like the bad crime that was being investigated. But essentially, the reason she did that was to um, protect her son and grandson, who I guess this man had been um, had hurt or abused in some way. Um so it's like kind of one of those cases of okay, who was really the bad guy in this situation? Um, interesting. But we don't have to include that if that's not. <laughs> no, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, but yeah, I would just recommend reading. Um, I'm not going to read it here, but <laughs> the, the lyrics to that full rap that Dixon gives to Jim. I think you um, should just rap amazing. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't live with myself. I- Check that eagle, come on, fit. I'm the prophet, the professor. I'ma teach you about the worm, who eventually turned to catch Rick with the neck of a long-time oppressor. And he's running from the devil, but the debt is always gaining. And if he's worth being hurt, he's worth being a painted. When the sunshine don't work, the good Lord being a raining. I think we hit all the big things, but yeah, as we were talking, I was just, my final thought would be with this story that's just based on, like, human love and reconciliation and everything um all the layers with that would so would you recommend this movie for people to stream while they're on lockdown right now (laughs) I would I would and I I stand by like not everyone's gonna like this movie yeah like it's pretty emotional I feel like yes did you cry in this because you you cry in a lot of movies right I do cry in a lot of movies. I did not cry in this one. You didn't? Um, I didn't. Oh my God, I I cried like a baby. (laughs) I'm going to blame the tiredness again and just my poor planning (laughs) because I think I was a little bit drowsy and just in like zombie mode. (laughs) But it did did emotionally affect me, that's for sure. And and it kind of starts off at 100 with the emotions too. Like there's a lot of... (laughs) A lot of heated conversation and um, and yeah, crying and yelling. But it it's I'm with you. I think overall for me, it was emotional in a good way. It was kind of cathartic to watch when 
we're in a state of heightened emotions right now, you could say. Yeah. <laughs> so what what would your rating be? Your star rating? Ooh, okay. So I think this is ooh, this is kind of like my fallback rating, but I think I write too many things this way. But for now, I think I'm going to say a three and a half, which is a solid that I liked it and would recommend it. Can appreciate it. <laughs> it's just, it just means it's not quite all the way there for me yet. But I also reserve the right to increase it the more I chew on this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think I'm going to go three and a half. No, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I gave it a four, but I'd say it's like a low, a low four. Yeah. 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 I think for, for me and probably both of us, if we're getting into fours and fives, it's like, uh, you got to see this movie, like yeah. run, don't walk to see this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not a five. I would, Boogie Nights is a five for me. So I'd be interested to see what you thought of Boogie Nights. Yeah. I was going to say, now I really want to watch that one and I'll watch the master and I should watch There Will Be Blood. This is like, I'm sure I need to watch like, there the film blood. podcast. No, yeah. I haven't seen There Will Be Blood either. And I'm like, I feel like that if you're going to watch one, it, a lot of people would say, watch There Will Be Blood. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's funny because I was, as I was reading reviews and people's thoughts on Magnolia, it's really funny to hear a lot of the feedback that people are like, no, this is Paul Thomas Anderson's best movie. And then other people are like, no, it's There Will Be Blood. And <laughs> I'm sure anyone people say, say that. Oh, yeah. Did anyone say Phantom Thread? I didn't see anything directly referencing that, but I feel like if I were to pull up Phantom Thread reviews and read those comments, it'd be like, this is his best movie. <laughs> I feel like he's just one of those directors that if you're a fan of him, you probably generally really like all of his movies and you have a strong opinion on which one is the best. <laughs> Since you work in the fashion industry, I think you'd really like Phantom Thread. Yeah, me too. I I remember because was it I guess it was the year before last that it was uh, that it came out and it was really big in all the awards conversations. And I remember at the time being like oh, I, I'll watch this at some point, but I think I thought it was really heavy or something, which I don't know if that's fully true, but I was I always thought I had to get myself to a certain emotional place to watch it, so then I'd always choose something else and be like, next time, next time. And then here yeah. I am years later, which is sad. But I love Daniel Day-Lewis. He's just um, him alone being in that. And There Will Be Blood makes me want to watch them. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of streaming things... Uh, the beautiful thing about the time we're in is that we have no lack. <laughs> we have no lack of media to consume and Amen. and watch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there are, there's a silver lining. But yeah. yeah, what else have you been streaming that you're excited about or that you would recommend to people? Okay, so I already said this a lot, but I would recommend Boogie Nights. Um I really didn't think I was going to enjoy um, that film, but it's been on my watch list for a while. Um, and I've heard that Paul Thomas Anderson is going to return to his Boogie Nights roots, like his first film roots Ooh. for his next film. Um, so that's why I ended up watching it um, to kind of see like what people were talking about there. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It's really, really impressive for a first film of a director, especially yeah. at the age of like 26. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. It just, it just, it gets deep into like similarly to this, but it's like only like two storylines. Uh, but it just gets deep into 
people's lives and helps you th- see things from a non-judgmental point of view and um, hmm. kind of how the how people end up the way they are and yeah so I'd really highly recommend that it's not free but it it is on Amazon Prime um, nice. for a small fee of like three ninety nine. <laughs> um but i will warn you it it is is quite vulgar at some points um but then the other thing i've been watching which is like very weird is not a movie but i've been watching a lot of survivor (laughs) hey it's like on a subconscious level it's very relevant (laughs) i know i'm like i wonder if that's why i'm watching survivor but um (laughs) It's just crazy how long that television show has been around. Like, yeah. When was the first season? It was, I think it was like 2000, but for like 20 years. That's insane to me. Um, But seeing, I watched like the most recent season and then I went back and started watching the first season and just like seeing how much it's changed and how... (laughs) Things that they did in the first season would not fly today if they like put people on television. Like, <laughs> it would just not work. But yeah, I, I recommend streaming Survivor on Hulu. So <laughs> that's such a good idea to watch the most recent one and then go back and watch the first. Now I'm thinking about other reality shows that would be cool to do that with because it's like these things that are so omnipresent like survivor that feel like they've been on our whole lives it's like over time you don't think about how they've changed (laughs) but I think it'd be really interesting to do that (laughs) yeah and they like on the first season they have like two participants that are like 68 and like 70 something (laughs) are you serious they put them out on that island yes oh my goodness with only rice to eat oh oh my gosh (laughs) I'm glad to hear that we're getting better in some ways with reality TV, that we don't do that anymore. <laughs> like, could oh you imagine? Gosh. Like, that would not fly today. That's someone's grandparent. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Highly recommend. I'm, like, fascinated. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what's, uh, what's next on your watch list, like, movie or TV-wise? Um, okay, so what I'm looking forward to watching um, – is Blow the Man Down, which is on Amazon and you recommended and you really liked. Mm -hmm. Um, And the next one is Call Me By Your Name because I still haven't (gasps) seen Call Me By Your Name. So, yeah. And Timothy Chalamet, I loved him in Little Women. And I want to see more of him before I see him in French Dispatch. So, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's so exciting. I reacted like I did because uh, further good news, speaking of Call Me By Your Name, but... It's now been confirmed that um, they're going to make the sequel with both Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer coming back to do it. Um, oh, nice. So I'm, I'll be interested to talk to you about it after you watch it. But I was like, this is excellent news. I love that movie. <laughs> awesome. Well, on my end, that's a perfect segue because one of the things I've watched recently that I'd recommend to the world in addition to you is Blow the Man Down. Um I was just completely smitten with that movie. Um, and it's it's so great. And it's for some reason, I've been in this phase of like, and this is probably not good for my headspace, but I've been watching <laughs> a lot of like 
dark, noir, just like slow, moody films. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really into that. Um, and that movie was just so perfect. And I, um, I really loved it. I just thought it was a badass movie. So, um, and it, yeah, it's free. It, it was when it was launched on Amazon. It was already on Prime. So, did it come out in twenty nineteen? It did. I think I think it came out in twenty nineteen um, because it was um, nominated for the Indie Spirit Awards this past year and a few okay. things. Um, and it's a, a first feature by a pair of directors. Um, so yeah, just really impressive landing on the scene for them. <laughs> Um, and, um, another thing I've been watching that I would recommend, um, is actually rewatched A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers movie. <laughs> which you is really like that movie. I did. And I will tell you what, it is, it's definitely a movie that's not for everyone because it, um, it's makes some interesting stylistic choices that I personally really liked, but I know some thought were kind of unusual. Um, but I just feel like, especially now with the world being kind of knocked off its axis and people being so unsure of what's going on, just the messaging within it about helping people and how to love them, which really at its root is like a Mr. Rogers thing. So also watch the Mr. Rogers documentary for this, <laughs> but um, it was just really good for this time. And um Having seen it twice, would definitely recommend it. Um, but because of that, one of the things I want to watch next is a movie called The Diary of a Teenage Girl. And it's by the same director, Marielle Heller. She directed Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and Can You Ever Forgive Me? And I just think she's quickly becoming one of my favorite directors. So I'm excited to watch that movie. And it has Kristen Wiig in it and Alexander Skarsgård. And it just looks really good. I watched the trailer and I was like, I think this is like one of those movies that's just going to fit me, regardless of if it's good or not. I'm going to like it. <laughs> is it on Netflix or is it on Amazon? Amazon and Google, if you watch through there. Something else we need to be streaming is what you just posted on our Instagram story for Talk Me to the Movies. <gasps> South oh, by yeah. Southwest Amazon streaming. When does that start exactly? That's a good question. That's that's what I was trying to figure out. Basically, um, Amazon Prime announced that South by Southwest, they were partnering with them to do a 10-day event, which would feature a lot of the films that were supposed to premiere at the festival. Um, and so they're making it streamable and free for everybody in the United States. That was like really great news. Super exciting. But I don't know that they've announced when it's going to happen yet. I'm looking at their Instagram now and it just, all I can see is their announcement that they're going to do it. Um, But that's such good news. I'm so glad that those films are going to get to be seen. And also selfishly, I want to watch them all. So (laughs) it's going to make us, I probably because of this will have seen more of them than I normally would have because you know, the, a lot of things come out at the festivals that don't always hit a mainstream audience. So this yeah, is cool. This will be really cool. When the date comes yeah. out, we'll post it on social. So yes. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really excited for that. But what Me does too. like, I'm like questioning though, is like, I wonder if they're showing some of the bigger movies that are probably going to hit theaters later on, or if they're skirting by those movies, you know? That'll be interesting because one thing I've noticed with just the whole situation and and I think 
uh, movie studios trying to find new ways to get things seen is, is it seems like they're partnering with different streaming services. Like I know some are going to premiere on HBO and yeah, some on Amazon. So it does make me wonder for those bigger ones, if like their film studio is going to try and release it in a different way to either, you know, make more money or hit a different audience. I could see them actually not being a part of that. But yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be really cool. I'm excited for that. Me too. All right. So for our next episode, we're not really sure what we're going to do yet, but with all these streaming plans we have, we'll see what inspires us. And we're excited to keep doing this despite, you know, sadly having to be in different places. It's awesome that there's still ways for us to connect podcasting and otherwise. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Stay safe and stay healthy.